Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I am your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. Today we once again take a look at VRAN and OpenRAN and what's happening there. We have done lots of episodes on the subject, but today we'll specifically focus on the compute architecture part of it, looking at what are the major considerations for operators and the industry, as well as uh, what is the best compute, compute architecture and why. As many of you might know, VRAN and OpenRAN consists of two functional blocks, namely DU, uh, Distributed Unit, and RU, Radio Unit. In legacy architecture, these functions or functional blocks were uh, implemented uh, in proprietary hardware and software, so you cannot separate them. And it's all changing with VRAN and OpenRAN. And the initial thought when uh, you know, the industry started working on uh, these things was you could use a regular off-the-shelf uh, generic compute, uh, primarily CPU for all the functions in these blocks, uh, DU and RU. But they soon realized that the RAN workload itself is so complex and uh, needs very low latency and almost real-time uh, processing. CPU may not be the best uh, solution for it for you know cost and power efficiency reasons. I've written uh, a detailed article uh, on this subject. You know, I'll include a link uh, to that article in the description of the podcast, so do, please do check it out. So yeah, coming back to cost and efficiency reasons, obviously cost efficiency is always a concern, no matter what industry you go. But nowadays, power consumption of networks and uh, bringing efficiency in terms of energy consumption has become a major consideration because of uh, you know climate reasons and so on. And uh, of all the energy operators consume, more than 80% is spent on RAN. So power consumption in the RAN and the compute in the RAN itself is a big deal. So the question becomes, how do we achieve maximum efficiency there you know, using the best uh, computing architecture? And there are a couple of competing uh, approaches. Uh, and there are obviously both pros and cons with these approaches. And there are a lot of questions on you know, why, what, and so on. And we have uh, an expert with us today to discuss all these questions. And that is Joel Brand, a Senior Director of Product Marketing at Marvel Technology. Regular listeners of the show might remember uh, that Joel was on one of our previous uh, episodes a couple of months ago discussing the VRAN and OpenRAN. Uh, but this time we will go a little bit deeper and add some of the more fundamental as well as you know in-depth questions on the subject. Joel, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. All right. So as I said, you know, we have done a few episodes on VRAN. This time we'll talk about the more specifics and also Marvel's product announcements and partnership announcements done at Marvel World Congress, which were very interesting. And with that, let's get started. Uh, so Joel, could you give us a quick introduction of what you do at Marvel? Yes, of course. I'm, uh, I'm responsible for the uh, wireless portfolio as part of the uh, Compute and Custom Business Unit at, uh, at Marvell. This, this is a business unit that has a fairly broad portfolio of uh, SOCs to address the wireless market, ranging from, uh, from the digital front end through uh, the massive MIMO beamformer to the uh, L1 processor uh, and the L2 processor 
Um, so we are we are serving uh, the uh, the majority of wireless customers today with variety of uh, of options. Very well, and uh, I think it's both uh, customers with legacy architecture as well as VRAN and Open RAN architecture, correct? Absolutely. Well, so uh, VRAN Open RAN, of course, started with a lot of hype uh, because of uh, geopolitical and other reasons. Uh, there's a lot of interest as well to support that hype. There's a lot of traction. Uh, but what is the view from the ground? First phase of 5G is almost complete worldwide uh, using mostly legacy architecture other than a couple of smaller uh, opportunities like Rakuten and something that's coming up with Dash. Will VRAN, OpenRAN then target the expansion part of that uh, market or the second phase of 5G, I would call, you know, addressing um, Matthew, IoT, and URLLC, those kinds of uh, opportunities and so on. What is your view? I, I tend to separate between uh, open run that typically refers to uh, the um, the front hall interface, the open interface between the uh, the RU and the DU. Um, the, there is traction, there is evolution there also in the standard organizations, different uh, splits, different, uh, there's a variety of uh, seven point something splits, 7.1, 7.2, A, B, C, D, uh, 7.3. There, there are all kinds of, uh, of options and they're still evolving in the market and, and different splits are likely to be mapping to, uh, to different type of uh, deployments, whether it's a a sub six deployment, millimeter waves deployment. So, so we are, you know, we we are still in the process of um, of definition and kind of finding the best uh, match for uh, for for solving the right problems. Mm-hmm. On the VRAN side, the the goal is completely different. The goal on the VRAN side is to take advantage of uh, IT technologies and cloud architectures that have been perfected. Primarily by the hyperscalers over uh, over many years there, uh, and also there we are seeing some progress with uh, different uh, tools to uh, manage the network. Uh, we are seeing some traction. We are seeing some new entrants uh, who are uh, who are uh, trying to uh, gain some momentum in in this market. Mm-hmm. But one way or another, this is a very small portion of the market today. And it will take a while before it will uh, it will gain meaningful uh, market share, mm-hmm. primarily because we are dealing with a, a an environment that is very uh, very reliability and availability focused, and it takes time to uh, to move things from one architecture to another. Yeah, indeed, I think the the uh, forecasts are like. It will be 20% of the overall market in the next few years. So, yeah, it's interesting. And the what are some of the uh, operator concerns you hear about uh, VRAN and uh, multi-vendor open RAN? I think VRAN, which is uh, disaggregation and uh, a cloud-native part, I think that has lots of traction. Lots of people are doing it. I think the questions are still on multi-vendor open RAN, right? That's right. That's right. So, so on the on the open run, it's um, the, the questions there is always who is responsible. Correct. Yeah. The minute that you mix and match vendors, uh, there are a lot of issues. Yeah, sing, single throat to choke, right? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of issues around the around the 
liability and reliability as a result of it. And that's an important topic, right? At the end of the day, these networks must remain uh, very available, very reliable. On the VRAN, the concerns are around costs. Originally, this architecture was supposed to reduce mm-hmm. the, uh, the cost of building these networks. Uh, and it turns out that that's not exactly accurate. Correct. And that comes down to something that I'm sure we'll talk later in the, in the program, uh, that the idea of using standard servers in an environment where, uh, where SOCs were perfected over many years to serve that specific environment is taking the cost in the wrong direction. Not later. We'll jump right into that question, uh, to the architecture question specifically. So why generic compute is not enough? Uh, some infra players are actually, you know, swear by it and working on it as well, right? See how how good that pans out. But in your view, why do you think uh, the, the generic CPU architecture is not good enough for RAN uh, workload? Generic compute is, is a fantastic tool. It's a tool that enables you to run an application even before you know what the application will need. Mm-hmm. You can run TikTok, you can run a web browser, you can run anything you want. Yeah, that's why it's generic, right? Yeah. That's why it's generic. But when you know your workload, yeah. an optimized solution will always be better. That's by definition of an optimized solution. Mm-hmm. Many times, optimized solutions are not justifiable. Right when the application is too small in volume, it doesn't make sense to develop optimized compute. But the RAN is a very large market, and it does make sense to develop optimized compute. And companies have developed optimized compute, Marvel specifically, mm-hmm. and and it's a it's a better it's a better solution. Now it, it's true that there are some of our competitors who are developing general compute. They would prefer that, naturally. That's what they have to sell. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. In terms of the vendors who are serving the operator community, I I haven't seen any one of them jumping to uh, volume deployments of solutions on general purpose compute. Again, simply because it's not really an affordable and power-efficient solution. Yeah, I think Ericsson is the one uh, really behind it in terms of major vendors and we haven't seen a lot of deployments. I think all the announced was one site, I think, with Verizon. We'll see how that progresses. So let me play a devil's advocate here. So the whole idea of uh, VRAN was to want uh, disaggregate and also use as much off-the-shelf hardware, right? Uh, so that there is no lock-in proprietary software hardware and that kind of stuff. But by using... Uh, optimized hardware itself, as you're mentioning, you are going back to kind of legacy uh, approach itself, right? That you have a specific, specialized, proprietary or not hardware and a software which is tied to the hardware as well, right? So isn't that beating the purpose of uh, VRAN uh, approach itself then? That, that goes back to the, the question of what exactly is the purpose of, uh, of VRAN? Mm-hmm. And the purpose of VRAN, in my mind, is mostly in order to take advantage of cloud architecture and IT technologies. Mm-hmm. If you think about uh, building a cloud, mm-hmm. 
take a look at, uh, at Amazon AWS. They're using very unique solutions, very unique processors, right? They, they are very proud of their uh, Graviton uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Is this an off-the-shelf solution? Can, can, you, can you buy that and yep. use that for, uh, for your laptop? I, I don't think so. Correct. So clearly, clearly, cloud vendors are using uh, unique SOCs to, uh, to build a better network. Mm-hmm. They, they publicly announced their use of uh, unique SOCs for, uh, for accelerators of different kinds. So, so using, using accelerators doesn't defeat the purpose of, uh, of VRAN. VRAN is really designed to build a more cloud-like architecture and take advantage of, uh, of IT technologies. And if you look at all the major cloud vendors, uh, they're using unique hardware solutions, and that doesn't at all detract from their, uh, their ability to take advantage and build uh, very um, scalable software uh, on top of that. And that's what we, what we really want to do with Viren. So in, in other words, you're saying if there is enough uh, volume and economies of scale, architectures will kind of give the same benefit as off the shelf that to, to be had, you're saying, right? Or... In fact, again, in terms of cost and power consumption, the optimized solution are better mm-hmm. than generic off the shelf, right? Be- because the generic off the shelf is generic, by definition, it consumes more, uh, more, more energy and typically it's more expensive than something that is specialized. But, but specifically, specifically the, the use of accelerators, it doesn't detract at all from building cloud-like architecture and leveraging IT technologies. And this is really the purpose of uh, VRAN. The purpose of VRAN is not to use off-the-shelf hardware. By itself, think about it. Using off-the-shelf hardware is not a purpose. The purpose is to build a better network one way or another. And that can be more optimized for power, more optimized for cost, more optimized for management, ease. A lot of, uh, you know, justifications, a lot of uh, different types of what constitutes a better network. But use off-the-shelf hardware by itself doesn't make anything better. I think the whole idea was that if it is true off the shelf, then it is cost can be optimized. But again, you know, whatever cost benefit you might get with off the shelf would be lost in terms of uh, if it uses more power and such. And if you have economies of scale with accelerator, for example, then you get the same benefit, but with better performance and with better power efficiency, right? Yeah, but the argument that off the shelf could allow you to reduce the cost is an argument of one of our competitors. In reality, that's not the case. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Marvel announced the optimized, uh, you know, compute silicon for DU and RU at Mobile World Congress uh, in a couple of months ago. So, could you tell us more about that? Th- that's right. We announced the uh, Oction 10 uh, Fusion portfolio, and that's uh, that's silicon that is uh, is optimized, as you said, for the uh, distributed unit and uh, the uh, the radio unit. It includes a lot of um, accelerators that are designed for those specific environments. To, to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not just uh, general uh, compute, but it's also a lot of uh, DSP uh, capacity. Uh, the, nature, the nature of radio processing and, and uh, digital signal processing is that uh, involved a lot of uh, DSPs. 
so so part of these uh, these SOCs, we've got uh, a lot of DSP capacity in them, as well as very specific uh, accelerators to help with the uh, receiver chain uh, on the DU to help with um, beamforming logic on the um, on the RU and the necessary uh, interfaces with all the uh, flexibility to connect a DU to an RU with the variety of uh, ORAN splits that we discussed uh, earlier, uh, anywhere from uh, split uh, 7.3 all the way down to uh, split uh, 6 and even split uh, 2. Okay. So I think you you mentioned a little bit. So what are the specific optimizations that you have in DU and RU in your solution? Yeah, as, as I mentioned, aside of uh, of DSPs, mm-hmm. uh, there are there are a lot of uh, if if you think about the uh, logic that is in a receiver to be able to handle the signal that users are sending from a mobile devices distributed in the area of the base station, mm-hmm. these, these signals need to be processed such that we can decode the, the message out of a lot of the noise that comes uh, with, the, uh, with the air interface between us and the, uh, and the mobile tower. Correct. Uh, and that, that involves a lot of uh, coders, decoders, uh, Polar coders, Viterbi coders, right? A, 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 long, a long list of, uh, of algorithms mm-hmm. that are implemented in hardware in order to ensure that one, they are most efficient in terms of uh, area and, uh, and power consumption, uh, as well as most efficient in terms of uh, latency. As, as you know, uh, these wireless networks are very, very well bounded by uh, very minimal. Latency, so that's uh, that's uh, these are all important part embedded in these chips. Correct, and that basically highlights why you you need optimized hardware versus a CPU, which would basically no matter what kind of inputs you give it, it would treat all of them similarly. Which means you know the performance may not be the most optimal when you know that you are getting a specific uh, type of or kinds of inputs to these processes, right? Exactly, exactly. General purpose compute in general can do most things, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't do them very efficiently. Okay, so and Octane 10 has been around for some time. I think it was introduced in uh, 2021 and it's already been used by hyperscalers and so on. What is different uh, between regular Octane 10 and Octane 10 Fusion used for uh, VRAN and OpenRAN? Yeah, it's kind of in the name. The the Octane 10 that we we announced in 21 is a compute platform that has a lot of accelerators for the TCP/IP network, TCP/IP, IPsec capabilities around uh, deep packet inspection. These are these are functions that are used a lot in the processing of L2 and L3 in the mobile network. Mm-hmm. They're also used in, uh, in standard networking uh, equipment, routers, switches, things like that. 
Oction 10 Fusion builds on the Oction 10 platform right. and adds a lot of the uh, L1 specific processing that we talked about, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, the DSPs, whether it's yeah. the codecs we talked about, or on the RU side, the, the beam forming uh, logic and the interfaces to talk to the, uh, to the RFICs. So Oction 10 Fusion is a fused version between the Oction 10 and all this new stuff that we added. Very well. So that's where all of the optimizations and the radio functions you talked about, correct? That's correct. Specifically talking about DU, I know there are a lot of discussions on one architecture versus other, where are the power efficiencies, how much, and so on. Any ballpark figure that you can provide for a DU with optimized silicon and you know with inline acceleration, versus a uh, uh, generic CPU-based DU? Yeah, that's a tricky question. You ask five people, you get six answers, and most of them are biased by whoever the uh, the particular person is trying to convince you. Uh-huh. So, so I'll try to avoid a specific number. There has been uh, some data that uh, was published in recent, uh, in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. If you look at servers, they're expensive. Mm-hmm. They're very expensive. Of course. There are thousands of dollars. And clearly, you see that the traction in the market around VRAN that is based on standard off-the-shelf servers has been extremely slow. You pointed that out at the very beginning, right? The, just the, the fact that uh, you, you see a press release about uh, one base station. Mm-hmm. So... It's, it's been very minimal. And, and I think the, that, that tells you that tells you that it's just very different. The, the figures of uh, power consumption, mm-hmm. the figures of, of cost on equipment that is optimized for the radio and the DU environment are just so much better. Than, than this general purpose uh, solution. So without, without getting into the specific numbers, you see, you see that the operators who are very concerned about cost and power consumption, let's not, let, let's not uh, underestimate mm-hmm. the importance of, of power. Today, every chip company will tell you this is the number one consideration by all our customers, especially in this given, in this environment in which we live where sustainability and energy efficiency is just so important. Correct. The CPU, the general purpose compute architecture just doesn't come close. Yeah, very well. I think there will be operators who will have kind of identical deployments where they can actually see the difference and then come forward with those numbers. We'll still have to see because a lot of the uh, CPU-based deployments are yet to happen for VRAN. We'll see how that uh, pans out. But if, if you think if you think about it, the, yeah. if you think about it, the original idea yeah. with the general purpose compute, where the L1 is yeah. is running on the general purpose compute, mm-hmm. that that thing has already gone. No one is mm-hmm. promoting that anymore. At, at this point, at this point, we are all moving to a specialized hardware that will run the L1. And now we are only talking about whether the L2 or L3 could run on the general purpose compute. So you see already the evolution to uh, to specialized compute. The, in the L1, that train has left the station. Everyone is using optimized compute on the L1. 
ডিপ্লয়েন্টন Yes, to some extent. Nokia has been a, a fantastic partner of us uh, for, uh, for a while. They've recently announced the Eniran collaboration around uh, Oran and, uh, and Viran with the hyperscalers and the, uh, and the server vendors. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is based on uh, products that they're developing using the uh, Riffshark mm-hmm. uh, SOC that they developed in uh, collaboration uh, with us. All that was made available publicly. We did a lot of uh, joint, uh, joint marketing uh, with them around the Mobile, Mobile World Congress. And there, they are uh, building and uh, promoting products that are leveraging the Riffshark mm-hmm. uh, solutions across their, across their uh, portfolio, including, including VRAN. One of the unique aspects of the um, uh, of the solutions that uh, Nokia is, uh, is promoting, and that was discussed at Mobile World Congress, mm-hmm. is the fact that the same Riffshark SOC is used on the VRAN as well as in the traditional network, mm-hmm. allowing operators to enjoy the, um, the same performance, the same feature set on the new VRAN architecture as well as what they're used to in the, uh, in the traditional uh, environment. Uh, you ask about Samsung as well. Samsung has been a, a fantastic partner of ours for a very long time, uh, since uh, even before uh, Marvel acquired the uh, Cavium, where some of these uh, products uh, originated. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Samsung, uh, again, uh, like, uh, like Nokia, has been developing uh, multiple generations of, uh, of products uh, together, uh, together with us. And... Again, they're, they're using, they're using uh, a, a, similar, a similar concept where the same SOC is used in multiple of their applications across the VRAN and the, uh, the traditional uh, deployments. And the relationship with both these customers have been just fantastic over the years. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as you pointed out, you were in their legacy products uh, and then you know, in uh, VRAN and OpenRAN as well. I think th- that makes the transition easy for them because they are well-versed with the uh, the products, the tools, software, and so on. So moving over for them becomes a little bit easier compared to doing with, you know, with some, some somebody totally new, right? Absolutely. It's not just about ease. It's also about feature parity. Correct. Right. If you, if you look at some of these uh, new solutions that were trying to gain some traction, mm-hmm. wh- while they were working to an extent, they couldn't support all the many, many, many features that these networks have accumulated over 40 years of operation. Of course. Yeah, indeed. Actually, I have written quite a lot on VRAN and OpenRAN. So just a quick plug here, if you want to know more about them and specifically on Samsung's evolution from a Uh, a disruptor to a uh, infra leader in in US and other markets 
check out my articles on my website uh, www.tantraanalyst.com forward slash insight again tantraanalyst.com forward slash insights okay yeah coming back to the partners you also announced arios uh, uh, with few players at model congress right can you talk about uh, that as well sure in in general there are quite a lot of companies that are using our products on the ru side as as i said right we've got a, a fairly broad portfolio mm. of uh, of solutions ranging from uh, asic dfes all the way to uh, um, you know the the massive mimo uh, beam forming uh, applications and the l1 processing that is required as you uh, as you for example move to a split 7.3 mm-hmm. uh, architecture but specifically at mobile world congress we've announced uh, we've announced uh, the next step of our partnership with uh, adi analog devices mm-hmm. and uh, we brought we brought to market a reference design for a massive MIMO radio unit that makes it really easy for some of the newcomers to the to the space mm-hmm. to get up to speed on massive MIMO. That's a, it's a complicated technology. It's not uh, easy to build a massive MIMO uh, radio. Of course, yeah. And everyone in this industry wants to build a better massive MIMO radio because that gains traction nowadays with the with the operators as we are moving to higher uh, frequencies. Massive MIMO is really important to be able to keep up with the distances mm-hmm. that we've been used to in the uh, in the low frequencies. After all, operators cannot afford themselves to build more towers to put more radios. They can put more radios on existing towers. Right. So the radio has to keep up with the distance uh, of uh, of lower frequency radios. Mm-hmm. And in order to achieve that, Massive MIMO is the tool uh, to do that. So we are seeing increasing demand for massive MIMO uh, radios. So the partnership with ADI is really to make it easy for, for those customers who, uh, who want to uh, step up to, uh, to massive MIMO uh, development. And, and we provide uh, a complete, uh, a complete uh, board with software and solutions that uh, allow them to do that. Yeah, I mean, a good example is if you look at US, Verizon and AT&T, they, they got C-band spectrum which is in 3.6 gigahertz range and they are trying to use their existing uh, side grid which was built for 1900 megahertz of spectrum and a lot of the gap in terms of coverage can be addressed with massive MIMO right so similar in Europe a lot of the initial deployments are in 3 gigahertz traditionally they had 1800 megahertz the side grid and so on so yeah I think uh, massive MIMO especially in dense urban areas and uh, you know uh, where there's tons of traffic indoor penetration and so on i think massive mimo is a must uh, for many of these deployments right absolutely absolutely otherwise it, it becomes again very impractical to build more towers in order to deploy these units so massive mimo becomes a, a mandatory requirement and also i mean and when this whole we ran open ran started the vision was you have will have you know hundreds of players even smaller players because you're lowering the bar for market entry and so on and i think probably in du that that may not be the case but in rio you can see some of that happening that uh, you know you will see more ru players in my view than du and cu players uh, du and cu will still be probably da- dominated by either existing or new large vendors 
but RU is we where I think we'll see a lot of variety, a uh, lot of new and existing players coming in and playing, and you know which obviously makes the system integration a big challenge for the operators and so on. But uh, you know that's the subject for another day. I think we are almost up to the end of the episode. I think we covered a lot of ground. Any closing thoughts? No, I think we covered, as you said, a lot of a lot of interesting uh, ground. I think this is a, a market that uh, is still uh, evolving, and and we will see uh, we we will see how it uh, how it develops. One one way or another, as I said multiple times throughout the show, uh, this is uh, this is going to be the domain of uh, of specialized hardware. Very well, uh, thank you, Joel, for coming back and providing your insights. I think we are still at a at the beginning stage of uh, VRAN and Open RAN cycle. There is much more to come. Hope to see you back again on the show in the near future. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Prakash. Thank you. So, folks, that's all for now. Hope you found this discussion informative and useful. If so, please hit like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening this on. Don't forget to check out the article I mentioned in the description and the previous uh, episode with Joel on VRAN Open RAN subject as well. I'll be back very soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting tech subject. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.